Hey everybody, it's uh, it's December, Jason. It is. I think it's officially December. First of December podcast. We got a fun episode tonight. Uh, we're the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Joel. With me is Hey guys, what's going on? It is Jason. Jason, how you doing? Uh, not too bad. I got uh, some good news today. Yeah, Jason, did you know there's magic in the air? <laughs> I did not, but <laughs> J- Jason, yeah, there's magic in the air this evening. All right. In fact, I would say this. There's magic in the air this evening, magic in the air. The world's at her best, you know, when people love and care. The promise of excitement is one the night will keep. After all, there's only one more sleep till Dino Island. (laughs) For you. (laughs) She gets here tomorrow, buddy. Yeah, I just got my shipping notice today, and it is the 11th. Woof. Sorry, Jason. It's but a- there's only one more sleep till Dinosaur Island for me. <laughs> Which means it's already here if you're listening to this. So That's true. Um, <laughs> that is true. I'll, in an unrelated note, I'm taking a leave from social media and um, my work job. And I'm also not going to be answering phone calls from work. I would not stay home and play Dinosaur Island for... The next week. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yes, you would. Did you get the expansion too? I did. Nice. And there's like, okay, so there's some people complaining about a couple things here, Jason. Let me put my guitar down. That really was me playing guitar, Jason, and singing a, a, a Muppet song. That was awesome. Yeah, I, I like that. Ex- except for I changed it to Dinosaur Island instead of Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Because it's a very good joke. <laughs> I'm sure they don't say Dinosaur Island on the Muppets yet. Yet. I, I like that. I like that. Um, eventually they will. Hey, so a couple of things real quick that's just zany fun. Uh, the Dinosaur Island stuff, like, I think this is worth mentioning. Like, people are kind of complaining already about, like, hey, you guys said you were going to put this thing on the board for the Kickstarter stretch goal and you didn't. And people are actually really mad about it. And I get it. Like, there's supposed to be like an incorporation of like this fifth player thing or something on the phase two board for the expansion. But it didn't make it on there. So there's like a card you have to put down next to it, which is kind of cheesy. Um, and people are pretty up in arms about it. And it's because it was a stretch goal. The stretch goal was made and then they they kind of backed out of it. So that's, I don't know, it's a bad precedent to set for sure. Um, well, I don't like that a lot, but yeah. Well, the thing is like there's one of the boards where it shows the back of one of the tiles, but it's backwards on the board. So when you put the tiles the way they go on the board... It doesn't match the picture that's on the board. And they were going to fix that as well, I think. So I think people are more upset about that than the other piece. Well, and then the other piece, too, that people are mad about are the yellow meeples, like in the expansion. Oh, yeah. That there's like deluxe and then retail and they don't, I don't know, just people were like, I want to be a completionist. I need all the parts. So I don't know. Just people are upset about this thing. And I mean, I get it. It's a $2 million Kickstarter, so it should be pretty, pretty choice, you know? Right. Yeah. But. I don't know. I mean, I get it. But at the same time, I'm just excited to have it. And really, I mean, the retail version is what I played. I played your copy. And there's nothing wrong with the retail copy at all. I mean, it's just a perfectly great game. And and I'm just excited that even with the little goofs in there, whatever, man, bring it. Oh, yeah. So it would be nice, it would be nice if they replaced those boards and made them you know, work a little better or something. But I don't know. Like, I'm just excited to have it. Because the other Kickstarter that you and I are both super super like oh man we need to get this thing is looking like it's going to be january at least now so woof on that 
Yeah, I'm with you. I was super pumped. I was super pumped for that. Now I'm super bummed. I'm actually more excited for that than Dinosaur Island, but at least I'll be able to play with some shiny new water dinosaurs later. I, you know what? I'm way more excited for Gugong than I am for um, Dinosaur Island as well. And I was reading about the card reprints and like why it was required and the decision they made and on and on and on. Well, one of the guys who has it in Europe said, don't worry guys, it's worth the wait. So, and it was like a pretty critical guy. So, I mean, people are loving this game. So that's the other one, Gugong. I'll tell you what though, if it doesn't come to us till January 19, I'm, I'm going to call it a 19 game so it can win our game of the year next year or something. I don't know. Oh yeah, for sure. In our fake awards that we don't actually do. <laughs> and that don't matter. <laughs> Yeah, so this, I think at one point we called this our awards show, but I don't think this is really awards. I think this is more like our our riveted top 10. So that's what we're doing today. Um, so hang on for that. But I guess before we get to that, Jason, we should probably talk about what we played and do some news and probably put a really catchy little bumper in there too. Yep, sounds good. All right, so I only have a couple pieces of news and I don't have a lot of information about either of them. So it should be quick. Um, the first game is, there is a Metal Gear Solid board game coming from IDW in 2019, and it's designed by Emerson Matsuchi. He's done the Century games. I think he did Spectre Ops and some other games like that, and that was announced at PAX. Outside of that, there's nothing about it that we know. I'm interested because when I was in high school, I played Metal Gear Solid a lot, and maybe the board game will be cool, but it'll probably have minis, so I'm, I'm out. I am so in. Emerson Matsuchi is amazing. Um, and like Spectre Hops feels like a Metal Gear Solid game anyway. Like, I think it's going to be pretty awesome, honestly. Like, pretty great. So, I am fully, fully diving in hard with both feet. I don't care if it has a billion minis made out of solid gold. <laughs> I do care about that. But, yeah. um, <laughs> I, I mean, like, I am way in on this for sure. Um, so I, I think it's going to be awesome. And Emerson Matsuchi, he doesn't get a whole lot of mention on this podcast, but dang, he's an up and coming guy for uh, for board game design for sure. I mean, Spectre Ops is awesome, and then and then he's the Century guy. I'm I'm thinking right. I mean, like that's the other thing he does. Yep, that's his big. Yeah, I think he did Reef too, actually. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Um, so the next one is a new game from Stonemeyer. It's not from Jamie. But it's from Stonemeyer, and it is called Wingspan. It is a competitive, medium-weight, card-driven engine-building game. Again, that's all they know about it. It came straight from Stonemeyer's press release. And the official announcement and pre-orders will be available on January 2nd. So that's coming up here in about a month, actually. So if you're interested in a new Stonemeyer game, go check it out. And I'm pretty sure the designer is maybe first time, and it's a female. So it's good to have some more female designers showing up and making some hopefully cool games. Yeah, I'm I'm all about it. Whoever can make a good game, make one. I mean, like, I don't know. It definitely is an industry where men run things for sure. I, You know what? I'm thinking of my board game collection. I think I only own two games off the top of my head that have female designers out of 350. So I'm, I'm really hopeful that we get a really good design by a female designer. Yeah, I think I have... One and that's a co-designer, Rogers of the Ganges. I'm pretty sure. Ah, uh, three. Um, 
Well, and then I guess the village too. Um, oh, that's true. Right, right, right. I don't have that, but yeah. Okay, four. It'll, it'll keep going as we keep thinking. But I've got <laughs> marrying Mr. Marrying Mr. Darcy. Oh yeah, I, I think have you that, got that one I have too. That too, yeah. And then um, that actually was like kind of made to encourage women to be in the world of board games. I think partially, at least. And then the other one I have is uh, Turn in Taxis, which is Andreas uh, Seafaring Seafirth. Well, I don't remember his the, name. The Puerto Rico guy, wife. right? Yeah, him and his wife made a game oh, that's cool. together, turning saxies. So, um, nice. Yeah, those are the only ones I can think of off the top of my head, though. Um, do you have? So that's cool. Do you have Noria? I don't, but you know what? It's been on clearance for like twenty bucks, a bunch of places, and I'm like, man, that's not a good sign, probably. But at the same time, it looks pretty great. It does look cool. Like I don't know if I would enjoy it, but that cool wheel mechanism looks pretty pretty slick. And there's just so much stuff in that box. Like I can't believe it would ever be twenty bucks. Like. I would think you could melt down the plastic in that box for 20 bucks and <laughs> sell it for scrap. I don't know. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> well, cool, Jason. That's awesome. Um, this is kind of a slow time for news, it seems like. Um, but I don't know. Uh, it's it's the calm period, I guess. Stuff will start trickling out that was announced at the cons, which is neat, uh, over the next few months. And I don't know. It's it's cool. And I think actually prime Kickstarter season to me is like February and March. Like That's when you see a lot of really good Kickstarters. So... Anyway, cool. Thanks, Jason. Yep. All right, guys. So I played a game that's fitting for the season, and that game is called Santa's Workshop. And in case you didn't know, the season's Christmas. So this game takes place at Santa's Workshop. You're an elf, actually four elves based on, the well, depending on the number of players, you're either playing with three or four elves. And each elf has a different shape because you can give them different powers as the game goes on. And what this is, it's a worker placement game. You're going to try to collect metal, wood, coal, plastic, and fabric to make these presents to put in Santa's sleigh to send to the kids. It's kind of like uh, Lords of Waterdeep, but a little a little more going on. So if you like worker placement games and you want something that has to do with Christmas, because there's like four games, I would say go check this one out because it's a fun worker placement game if you're into that. The box, the box doesn't look awesome, but then the board looks really cool. It's kind of my takeaway. Like, yeah, I don't know. The box really doesn't look good. Actually, a lot of the stuff doesn't look good, but it's pretty fun. So if you can get past the way it looks, and the board is huge, way bigger than it needs to be. It's like a six-panel board. It's ginormous. It doesn't need to be that big, but if you can get past all that, I'd recommend trying it once, especially if you can get it on a good deal because it's usually on sale. Um, Yeah, the box looks like it would be like a little like starburst in the corner that says the board game you can eat made with rice crispy treats. I don't know. Like it's just looks hokey. I don't know, but yeah, it's a cool game. It could be a tradition thing that you play, you know, at Christmas time or whatever. That's pretty yeah. fun. Yeah. I, I didn't hate it. So, I mean, that's good. Yeah. It's a once a year thing. That's awesome. Yep. Uh, cool. I played, uh, speaking of huge boards, I did play Lisboa, but I'm not going to talk about that. I just like to throw that dirt in your face, Jason. So, um, yeah, thanks for that. I got to play Lisboa, which was really fun. Man, that game just gets better and better. Um, anyway, I, 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 maybe we'll talk about it later. Maybe it made the top 10 for you guys, <laughs> maybe. but we'll see. We'll see. I played Rising 5, Jason, because you were like, this game is good. I hate competitive games. I hate space games, but Rising 5, pretty cool. So I checked it out. Um, I love it. The only thing that I have a complaint about is our game got screwed up because... 
Uh, do I throw my son under the bus or not? <laughs> do it. <laughs> so he he put the runes in, like he read the directions. I was like, hey, do like the way how I've learned to get him to play games with me is I'm like, hey, you want to teach me how to play this game? He kind of feels like a big shot then. Right. And then yeah. he's like, all right, here's how you play, dad. And so like he had the runes set up. He was positive that they were supposed to go in a certain way. I was like, are you sure they're not supposed to go in like their keys kind of or something? And like the tops always face the middle. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not how it is at all. <laughs> and so- so like we're scanning the runes at first and like they're coming up with different things all the time. I'm like, is this thing getting new games or what? Because it like couldn't read the runes very well. But then I I started doing it by hand and we figured the game out and it was actually really fun. There was a couple times where just like the sun track on the side was like on the second to bottom notch and you're just like, oh crap. Uh, all right, well, I got, I got to use this character even though I don't want to use her because yeah. she moves the sun back up. You know yeah. what I mean? So, and then, and then the Oracle cards, like I found those are really, really interesting because he's really the dude who can do the work, you know? Right. And so you got to use him as many times as you can, but he's not great at anything else other than changing those runes around. So, um, the, the kind of cheat that I found too, I don't know if this is against the rules or not, but the robot can copy wherever he's at with someone. So I always had him follow the Oracle around and like move the runes too. So it was like having an extra rune mover kind of, but I mean, I, it didn't really say anything against that. So I well, played that way. If you have the so, cards for it, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I did. So, I mean, like, I mean like that was, that was, you know what I did, but yeah, it's just interesting that you have to, I don't know. It's like weird too. Cause you, you almost don't want to play all your cards out of your hand that match that character. So like the mechanic in the game is that you play down cards to get the number of actions that you want to, you know, do. And then every player has like kind of a special power. So it's like, I talked about this like robot guy who can copy people. There's another one who, uh, she gets a cheap like pot shot on a, on a bad guy before she fights. Um, and there's the, the girl who moves the sun back. Um, and I forget what the guy does. Um, he, he moves someone else. Yeah. He moves someone else. Yeah. So, I mean, they're basic pandemic powers again, but yeah, like pretty much, but I mean, it's kind of cool. And then like you play the number of cards for the number of actions you want to do. But if you get all the way through the deck and burn through all your actions too fast, it's a problem. And the other problem too, is like sometimes those bosses come out or, or those bad guys come out and they're like a four rating. So like you want to have a support person there with you to get that one bump, but then you want to drop other cards down on it to help make the role successful. So if you play all the cards out of your hand that match that character, then you don't have a way to help your teammates. So it's, it is, it's tense. It's pretty tight. It's a fun logic puzzle too. So it's like, almost like, I don't know, it's like pandemic meets a unlock room or something where you're trying to solve that puzzle thing. So I, I would definitely 100% without, if someone told me I had to throw out Pandemic, all my copies of Pandemic, all my different versions of it, or Rising 5, I'm throwing out Pandemic. Like, that's where I'm at with it. Rising 5 does everything Pandemic does for me, but just does the, does the whole thing better. Yeah, I will say, if you use if you set up the runes correctly, the app is amazing. Like, the app, the app works so well, and it's just kind of cool to see the, you know, the clues that it gives you, if it's the black, the black outline or if it's the silvery outline. Yeah. It's pretty neat. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like the deduction piece is kind of simple. The rest of it is like trying to kill the baddies and get people in the position that you need to play. That's actually the hard part of the game, I think. Yeah. I think like if you just had to sit down and solve the puzzle, like it's easy. You could solve it in like four or five rounds, right. especially if you got a couple of the hints in there. But like, I think that you're right. The part about like, you can't just keep guessing, you know, like you've got to beat people to get more green cubes and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Like you have to, in order to check your runes, you have to have like beaten enough bad guys in between rounds kind of thing to put the green power 
cubes in or whatever. So it's it's a pretty cool thing. Um, we, we've done a horrible job describing this game, but it's really good. I promise. And no. you should, if you're interested, go check out a let's play of it or something. I think that, I think that was sufficient. I mean, you're playing cards, you're moving guys around, fighting baddies, moving runes around, trying to get the correct combination of runes. That's essentially yeah. the game. It's just and how, using the rewards from being the bad guys to be right. able to check runes. Yeah, and the, stuff the relics like that. and the artifacts and all that mess. Yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah, I like it. Okay, well, uh, never mind. We did a fantastic job. You probably could sit down and play it right now. Like, actually, we did so good, Jason. People <laughs> probably could just take a pad of notepaper and just make their own version of the game now. <laughs> Yeah, they'd be like, there's four guys, they have special powers that do something. Ah, <laughs> oh, geez, man. Sorry, Gray Fox. Is it Gray Fox Games? I think it is. Y- yeah, Maybe Gray not. Fox, yeah. Sorry, Gray Fox. We just ruined your sales now that people can just go make their own copy. <laughs> yeah, don't get over it. Well, yeah, that's what I played. I, I love it. I fully endorse it, too. I would say 100% BGM approved because I know you like it, too. Yep. So question, do you like this better than Black Orchestra or do you think it's similar it's not similar. I mean, like the games are way different, right. but they are similar because of this. The, the tension. Yeah, absolutely. That whole like, I got to really do something great on this move because this might be my last time playing. And like, right. you feel that way yeah. for a majority of the game. Like you feel like, man, there's an urgency to what I'm doing here. And that's definitely present in both games. And I don't get that with like, I don't get that with Pandemic. At moments, I get that with Flashpoint Fire Rescue. Um, but I don't know, man. Like, Yeah, no, very good game, though. Good recommendation, Jason. All right, so if you are active on the Facebook groups uh, at all, or if you're on, like, even the Everybody Board Game Tonight Facebook page, I don't remember what it's called, but we've done some cross-promotions with them a little bit. Um, It was there as well. I don't know how you got to us, but... um, if you guys got to our poll and voted, I want to say thank you to you guys. Uh, we had people vote. And then I'm going to go ahead and just kind of tell you that I weighted it so that the first place votes, so people's favorite games got more points towards our rankings than their last place, their 10th place game. Um, so these are our top 10 games as a community that we're going to go through. And I think the list turned out pretty well. But I mean, really, it's kind of weird because we only asked for 10 games. So there's a lot of games that I think would really make our top 30, but didn't get hardly any votes at all. Like games like... Um, Champions of Midgard. I mean, I love that game, but it's not ten, top 10. It's right. top 20, top 30 for sure. But I mean, I think a lot of people have that kind of game in mind there, you know, or like Ticket to Ride. That's a lot of people's top 30, but not their top 10. So for these games to get on this list, they had to have a few people say it was their in their top 10 games. So is this, is this list scientific? Is it the top 10 best games that you can find? No, but these are games that a few of us really, really like. So Anyway, that's uh, that's it. Did you have any thoughts on this list before we get into it, Jason? No, I was looking it over a little bit when you put it on the outline, and I was really shocked by number one, which we'll get to. So Me too. That kind of blew my mind a little bit. Well, the other thing, too, is number one, like it shows up on so many people's lists. That's why it's so high. It wasn't yeah, even right. close. It's number one by a mile. Like it, like it was, it was like it almost it almost doubled number two. Wow. Like, I mean, that's how high it was. And it's, and it's not because a lot of people had it ranked at number one. It's because a lot of people had it ranked at like three, but right. everybody who voted had it ranked in their polls. So it's a strong game that has a broad appeal, I guess. So anyway, that was a good, I think Jason, we're getting to be pros, man. That was like a teaser. People are actually going to listen to this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or they'll skip past everything to get the number one. <laughs> All right. Number 10, Jason, 
Uh, let's take turns going back and forth. I'll do the evens, you do the odds. That way you get number one, because you have that sweet number one voice. Sounds good. Um, number 10 was Brass. Um, Brass is one that is an old game, but man, it sure got a resurgence with the new Kickstarter editions. And this is one that is new to us both. We talked about that last episode. I'm really happy this one made the top 10, because I love this game. This is in my top 10 personally, too. Um, it's just a good game that every everybody who is into Euro games at all should try and play this at the first opportunity they get, I think, because it's just, it's such a great game, but then also you can just see like, wow, okay, this is what a great game was like 10 years ago and it holds up, you know? So I don't know. I just, I think it's a masterpiece. So Brass was number 10 on the list. Any thoughts, Jason? Yeah. Just so you know, I voted for Brass, but I voted for the old one. I didn't say it was the old one, but you, you should have known when you read it was the old one that I was voting for. Okay. All right. (laughs) I'm sure everybody else was voting for the nice slick. All right. uh, so number eleven one. was brass. Now let me refigure some stuff here. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, Old I t- brass is number ninety-seven. Um, I t- new brass is number eleven. I totally agree with brass being number ten. Like it should be in the top ten for sure. It's it's amazing and it's been rocking it out this year, like a hundred percent. Like everybody's been talking about this game, both versions of it. I don't know if they're yeah. both included on here or not, but. I, people people just wrote brass. Um, okay, all right, all right. I, and I assumed it was Lancashire the classic because I mean you're gonna put Birmingham if you mean Birmingham, right? That's and I, true. I, I I haven't played Birmingham yet. I've got a strong reason to believe I'll get to play it um, yet this year. All right, moving on from brass. Uh, number nine is a game from Stefan Feld, and this is one that is not really my favorite, but a lot of people it's their favorite, and that is Castles of Burgundy. This is a tile placement drafting game where you're taking tiles off this board to try to create certain color combinations on your board to score a pile of points. It's point salad. It's felled. It's fun to play. I just don't love it as much as other people. So Castles of Burgundy, number nine. Every time this game goes on sale for 20 bucks, I'm really tempted to pick it up again because, I mean, you see it for about 20 to 25 bucks sometimes. And right, yeah. I'm always really tempted to pick it up again because I had it when it maybe not first came out, but within its first year of being out, I played it and it was just such a hyped game. And then I played it and I was just really disappointed with it. And I felt like, I don't know, like in my mind, I remember it being like a color by numbers book or something. Like, I don't know. Kind of, yeah. It's uh, it's just I, I didn't care for it that much. I know that like the sequencing the dice and stuff is kind of interesting. Putting the tiles down, it's gratifying maybe, but I don't know. I think maybe people like it because it's a lighter Feld game a little bit. I don't know, and it does play really well with two. So I know those things are going on for it, but this isn't my favorite either. I definitely respect it. I respect that people like this game a lot, but I don't know. I would rather play Bruges than than this one personally. Oh, for sure. There there are a ton like. Every one in my collection, I'd rather play over this one. But I would play it if somebody wanted to play it. I don't hate it. I just, it's really dry. And that's saying something for a failed game. On Black Friday, I got Aquasphere for like 16 or 18 bucks. Nice. At my local shop. I love that one. Yeah, I need to break it open. It looks it looks quirky for a Feld game. It looks like Feld's take on Ameritrash games. <laughs> yeah, it is a, a weird theme for sure for like a Euro game. You're in this substation chasing down deadly octopi. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's got cool art too but it's the same company that did oracle delphi so i have two feld games that are on my shame shelf right now aquasphere and oracle delphi um or oracle at delphi or yeah. of i don't know which one it is but anyway both those games are supposed to be remarkably good um and i haven't played them yet but anyway you didn't come here to talk about 
uh, Feld games. Well, maybe you did because maybe you skipped like the last 30 episodes where we didn't talk about Feld anymore. <laughs> and you're like coming from when we were like kind of creepy about him. <laughs> yeah, we have stopped that for a while. Yeah, I mean, like the restraining order and the cease and desist order, like probably had something to do with that. But I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. seven fell making it into the top 10 with Castles of Burgundy is pretty great. Yep. Uh, cool. Well, number eight, Jason, is I'm a little surprised by this one, honestly, too. I mean, there's nothing wrong with this game either. And for all those people who think we're like just a Euro game podcast, some of our fans like Ameritrash games, apparently. Okay. Yeah. Um, because True. Betrayal at House on the Hill. I th- This one, I had a copy of the old Avalon Hill version. And um, I played it a couple times, thought it was kind of neat, thought it was okay. Um, I thought it was a fun experience for sure. Uh, the thing that really irritated me about it is the little clips that you get on your little like pentagons that keep track of your stats. Like honest to goodness, like if you put your soda down too hard on the table, those clips would fly off your, your cardboard and it would just be aggravating or like you wouldn't even know how it would happen. You'd look down and like it'd be between numbers and you'd be like, what, which one is my stat? So I always did the honorable thing and put myself on the lower one, like the one that hurt me more, but like, yeah. And then the other goofy thing about this game that makes it why people love it, but it's also the reason why I think people don't love it is that it's got that midway, like intermission change up of the act and everything gets weird and different um, halfway through the game with that twist. Um, I think that's kind of cool. I like that kind of thing in fiasco, like the role-playing game and this one um, it's just, it's really weird sometimes how everything works out. So that weirdness is why people do love it. And it's a reason why people I think do hate it. Cause they're like, this is so goofy. This game's broken. I can't play it. And then other people have that exact same experience and go, this is so crazy and great. It's so thematic and crazy and just fun. Like, and I don't care if we're going to win or not. Like if this is just a fun zany time. So, um, I respect people who like this game a lot too. It's interesting. This one made it on over mansions of madness. Cause I think mansions of madness to me, especially with that new edition feels better personally, but I know people do love betrayal. Yeah, uh, they did fix the those terrible counters. Like, Picorni had the new swanky ones that actually have, like, dials. So maybe you can actually, you know, put your drink down without breaking everything. Betrayal at House on the Hill yeah. uh, is the name of the game. Yep. All right, so number seven. Um, I'm not going to have much to say on this. But, again, we don't just talk about Euro games because this one is anything but a Euro game. And... I don't think either of us have played this game, and it's the the most epic of space epic games, and this is Twilight Imperium 4th Edition. I, I don't know how to even talk about this. I know it has some hexes. It takes six hours, um, and there's fighting, maybe, but people like it because it's number seven. Yeah. Um- have you, you haven't played any of these, right? Uh, I I played like two thirds of a game of TI three and like the guy assured us that we could get done in five hours, and at hour <laughs> eight people started to say um, we're like halfway through. Can we stop? Yeah. Like no 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 we're not halfway done. Like it goes really fast from this point. So I don't know. Like we never finished, and like I I have a really unfair view of the game because of that. Because like from what I understand, you do put up with like hours of gameplay because it gets amazing in the last little like act of the space opera, you know, but, um, I don't know. I, I would like to play TI four. I've heard it's streamlined down to the point where if you know the rules and you know how to play well, you can get a complete game in in under four hours. So, I mean, that's, that's not horrible. I mean, like when we played Lisboa this last weekend, we got it done in three. So, I mean, I don't that's, know. I don't mind longer games. Yeah. I mean, four hours is about where I want to top out. I, I, 
I don't think I want to play a game for longer than that. Yep, I agree. And the other thing, too, is if I'm going to play a game that's four plus hours, I've got a copy of Colonists on my shelf that I haven't played yet that I'd love to play. Um, I've got Arkwright I'd love to play. All right, um, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, there's stuff that I would rather play that's grand in size. Um, but TI4, nothing wrong with it. If people like it, I think it's a really cool idea. I respect the heck out of you for playing it. And I'm a little jealous that um, you've got a group to play it with, honestly. So, um yeah, very cool. If if I had a group that said, hey, we're playing this Saturday, and I was able to drive there and get in on it, and I didn't have anything going on that day, I would definitely play. So respect for that. I don't think even TI4 players are going to say it's for everyone. Um, and I think like pretty clearly it's not for you. The other thing, too, is you only have so many hours in life that you get to play board games, you know? And right. so if you don't, if you don't think that TI4 is something that is worth the investment in it, don't do it. Anyway, I have no judgments against you for not wanting to play, and I think people who do play it, cool people. Anyway, speaking of new things that we need to play, um, this is this is crazy, man. Coimbra is number six, which is insane because this game is like, I don't know, it's like five weeks old or something, and it's still kind of hard to find. So I I really like it. The reason why this one's on there is because it had, I think, like several top three votes. So. Um, pretty wild it got so high but man that's pretty cool it shows how strong the game is no that's cool man it's a good game it's a really good game i like it yeah i like coimbra it's a good game and i'm glad it's on this list game is number five it is a game that i also highly enjoy and it is about making wine and it's from stonemeyer viticulture is number five this game is amazing it's been rocking out for a long time i think this is stonemeyer's bread and butter right here like as long as they as long as they have this game, they are good to go. They are golden forever. I mean, there's definitely no games by Stonemaier Games higher on the list than this one. <laughs> um, but no, I really do think that this one like really is a very strong game, and this one is not polarizing either. Nobody says, "Ah, oh, Viticulture blows." Like the worst I've heard people say is, "You'll play Viticulture till you play Vinos, then you won't play Viticulture anymore," which I don't think is fair at all. No, they're completely different games. Right? It's like saying. You'll you'll never you'll never play baseball after you play football. I don't know. Like it doesn't right, make yeah. any sense. Yeah. They're both about wine. That's about the extent of it. Yeah, not even like the same aspects of wine. <laughs> like Yeah, it's it's completely different. That's crazy. You, you'll never play chess after you play War of the Ring. I Which don't know. is probably true. I mean <laughs> Yeah, that could be <laughs> So yeah, uh, no, number five viticulture. Great game. Glad it made the list. I like the glass beads in it still. That's the thing that I always think of when I think of this game. Those glass beads are such a clever piece of design. Oh yeah, for, it's for genius. Wine cellars and stuff. Yeah, agree. the the fact that The fact that you can like look through them and they actually work as a magnifying glass is just really clever. <laughs> I wish more games did that. Yeah, it's way better than a cube because I mean everybody does cubes and then you have to like look and see what number is this. Yeah. Yep. It's very clever. I mean, Stonemaier Games they do some really great design cues, uh, and that's probably the reason why. Number four, Lisboa is on the list. That doesn't have anything to do with Stonemaier games. <laughs> no, it does Just not. kidding, guys. It's not a Stonemaier game. I was just making a very good goof. Um, it's a funnier joke here in a spot or two. Um, so anyway, Lisboa is on number four on there. I, this one's, again, another one that like didn't come up on a lot of lists, but on the list that came on, it was very high. And this, I guess, is one of those games, too, that I think it's it's a flavor of, like, if you love this game, you really love it, you know? I mean, so... I don't know. I think it's great. I think it's my favorite Lacerda game personally at the moment. 
Um, just a great game of building buildings in this like in this grid system to get points, but then also trying to figure out how to get the resources to do it and maximize all that. Um, and then the thing that's really, man, I played it so much better this last time I played it than I played it before because I stole a page out of your book. So like I'm learning every time I play, like Jason, you did a, such a good job when I played with you this last time, getting those follower actions from the Monarch. Oh yeah. That I, I took one every time I get a chance because I was like, man, that's a free action every time. Yep. So a free big main action. And then the thing that like I was ahead by 20 points at the end, but here's the thing I did. I was like, I'm going to, I'll, I'll take those decree cards like late. I'll be able to get them. I'll figure out what I did well and figure out what's ones match up. And then like the game ended like really <laughs> abruptly and I didn't get a single decree card. So like, I just got beat by like, you know, several points because of that. Right. The one guy had 40 points worth of decree cards in his hand. So just the fact that you can play it so many different ways too, it just shows it's a masterpiece. Yeah, it's crazy to me because you can feel like, man, I'm dominating this game. But if you don't have decree cards, you're probably not going to win. You have to be pretty far ahead if you don't have any decree cards. Yep. I mean, like strategy in this game, that's, I mean, like we could probably talk a whole episode of just strategy in this, but I think it's important that you have a boat. And I think it's important that you have a couple of decree cards. And the earlier you can do both those things, the better. Yep, um, sure. Because I think that you can have something to work towards. And then the, the reason why I think it's worth having boats is because it just gets you so much influence. Like the influence is what makes it really worth having. So I don't know. Plus being able to make money and get some, some cheap wigs off it is pretty cool too. But anyway, Lisboa, man, you can tell that Jason and I both love it. Cause we're both like, neither one of us wants to cut this one off and move on to the next game. Probably. <laughs> no, I just want to play it with actual people again. Cause I just have to play a solitaire. So <laughs> And you're also dreading talking about this next game too. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't hate this one. But number three is another Stonemaier game. We we're just kidding about Viticulture being the highest one. You probably picked up on that. And this one is probably one of the most popular Stonemaier games at this time. I don't think it has the most legs. I still think Viticulture has more legs for a longer period of time. But number three is Scythe. And this game, I mean, everybody's talked about this game to death. It's. Um, a resource management game that has some mechs that you just kind of use to carry your dudes around. There's not really a ton of combat. You're trying to fulfill goals. You're trying to race to get five or six stars on the board. Whoever does that first is the winner. Classic Jamie Stegmeyer stuff. So if you like Viticulture, I'd say Scythe is a good next step into that. Maybe a little bit heavier of a game. I think Jason, it's like at that action selection thing, which is really cool. Like where you, oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That you like get to take a couple actions based on like where you put your pawn, but like, so in that way, it almost feels like Vidal Asurda influenced it. It's like make one of four choices and then a bunch of things happen based on it, which is crazy to say, but like it kind of is true. Um, the thing that I would say, Jason, and it's got like a little bit of Terra Mystic on it too, that as you uncover things, you get better and like things get cheaper as you move them down. Right, that's true. So that's true. I, I don't know. It's got a lot of really cool things in it. I love this game a lot to the point where I completed my whole collection. I, I was like, you know what? I'm tired of having three little boxes aside out there. So I'm actually going to spend a board game's worth of money to buy that big box. And then, uh, and then now I do have everything for it now. So I have all the modules and expansions. I haven't played through the campaign yet. And part of me wants to just tear open rise of the Fenris because Fenris or however you want to say it, because I think there's a bunch of modules in there that I want to just get available to me right now because I know that there's ways that I could play this game that would make you like this game. Oh yeah. Like there's one track in there that I really want to play on for sure. The peace one. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And then like, 
I don't know. There's other ways too. Like even with the airships expansion, there's one of the in-game things where it's like not the five stars going out as fast as you can. It's that you play just a set 20 turns. Like there's, it's like the end of the world and you only have 20 turns left to do whatever. That's cool. So, I mean like, I like, and then like, and then the airships thing is uh, really cool too, because it like it lets you move around the board so much quicker. Like it always feels like such a slog to move around the board, which is kind of how the game's designed. But I think with the airships, when you throw those in there, it makes playing with three players a lot better. When you play with five players, the board feels really crowded and moving slowly is okay. But when you throw the airships in, then it's like, oh man, I could be attacked at any point. So I've got to be ready for that, you know? So I don't know. I know you don't care for combat much, and I think that peace track would make it even better for you. But um, yeah, I think, I don't know, man, if I had to say, let's play a game, Jason, where there's combat, this is probably going to be near the top of your list, probably. Oh yeah. I like, I don't hate the combat in it. I just felt like it was unnecessary. Like I'm spending all this time building up all my resources, trying to focus on my goals. And then someone comes in, fights me because I have more military than me and then they can take it. I, I don't know. I just hate that in games. It drives me crazy. Don't come steal my stuff, build up your own stuff and do it better than me. Like, I, so I, don't, the thing- I don't like it. The thing I like about the combat in this or don't mind about the combat in this is you don't get like brutally punished. So like usually what happens if you're playing with three players in a game with a bunch of combat is that you and I are in the game with Katie and like Katie's, you know, got good defenses and stuff and, and uh, Katie's like our unspoken third player every time. But then like you and I get into a big, huge battle of like a, like a 20 on 18 battle. And we leave that battle where you have two units left and I have none left. And, and then like all of a sudden Katie still has 20 units. You know what I mean? Like, so we're both screwed, you know? So, I mean like the cost of fighting is so high and sometimes people don't realize that. So like, I don't know, they, they get really reckless with their fighting. This one, the fighting is, it does cost you something. Like you, you had that military power on the side, but the thing is you, you can decide I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to spend any of my resources on it. And it costs you very little because your max just go back to your home base then and like you just kind of have to move things back out. So, I mean, I like that about it a lot that you don't have to totally destroy your your position in the game. Um, like you can say, you know what, like I'm going to bluff and see if you can use all your military strength up and I'm going to use none of mine. And like that's been a really cool strategy for me playing this game sometimes. So anyway, number three was Scythe. Any more thoughts on that, Jason? No, I would actually like to play it again, maybe with one of the expansions or something. Maybe the, And definitely with that peace track. I think I would enjoy it a lot more playing like that. Yeah, and the other thing too is like I think if you played Scythe, like I think the first time you play Scythe or even Blood Rage or I guess probably Lisboa now at this point, like there's such hype about that those games that like People talked about those games like they were like, hey, board games have been solved. Here's the final product. <laughs> right, that's true. So, I mean, like, I think that there's some level of disappointment you're going to just automatically have. But, I mean, side is definitely a Euro game masquerading as a fighting game. So, I think it does a good job, too, of bridging people who are into miniatures and stuff like that into Euro games, for sure. Yeah, I would agree. I I think it's a good, yeah, if you like minis games and you don't play a bunch of Euro games, this is definitely the game you should play. For sure. All right. Well, good job on number two here, guys. Um, number two is my number one game from last year. I'm not positive where it's going to land this year. Might be number one. Might be two. Might be three. Um, but that is Great Western Trail. I haven't gotten to play this one with the expansion yet. I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, but Great Western Trail is awesome. I love this game so much. Jason called it a child's hi-ho cherry <laughs> game and scoffed at it. Yep. <laughs> but... 
I, I think it's amazing. I think the more you play it, the more it's just fun. And I think that like, I don't know, it's just the balancing the idea of building things versus building your deck versus like how fast do I move? Cause I want to be there first, but at the same time, I don't want to skip all these places. I just think there's a lot of really cool things in that game. So great Western trail is our number two as a group here. Good job. You guys Way to vote on that one. I appreciate you. I don't hate great Western trail. I would think I was just expecting more out of it. Like this game had a ton of hype. Like legit. And I was like, man, this is going to be amazing. And then I was like, well, it's kind of a deck builder and I'm playing Takedo. So I, I guess I just wanted more out of it than it gave me. But I would play it again. Deck building Takedo. Yeah, you're moving around the board like Takedo. You can't ever go backwards. You can only go forward. And then Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, that, those parts of it are fair for sure. But I mean, like, I don't know. I think it has worker placement elements for sure. Yeah. Worker movement. Um, I don't know. It's kind of neat. I, I think, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, I definitely really like it. I just like how just there's a lot of different things you can do. So then like the other piece too, is you got to think about your trains and like the things that come from the trains. Plus how are you going to draft people to put on your board to like make yourself better to build and do different things differently. So, I mean, like, I don't know, like there's a lot to it, but I think at the same time, that's like an average person. There's a lot to it for you. It's like seriously, like squarely a medium. Like I honest to goodness audience. I think Jason looks at great Western trail the way that we look at ticket to ride. Like honestly. Yeah. I mean, I understand it has some complexity, but it just, I don't know. I, I guess since it was Fister, I was expecting, expecting more. And I got, I felt like it was like a little, a little harder or a little more complex than broom service. And I, I don't know. I wanted more, I guess. Uh, the expansion, I like I said, haven't got a chance to play it yet. I opened my copy up and dumped it, into, like literally dumped it into the other box. I punched it and dumped it in the other box because I thought, you know what, I'm going to set this up and try and learn it at some point, but I just need to get this room cleaned up right now. Um, but it adds a whole other board and a whole other set of chits and a whole bunch of other stuff. So um, I don't know, man. Maybe it completed the game for you. Yeah, I'd, I'd try it with the expansion. I'm always up for trying a game again. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing too with Scythe. I think... We were talking about, like, I'm going to rewind back to Scythe here for just a second. Viticulture, like if you had reg- regular Viticulture and not even Essential Edition and no Tuscany, like that game's not in this discussion. And I think just now we're seeing Scythe get the full implementation that I, that Viticulture's had. Because really Tuscany was like a series of modules, kind of like Rise of Fenris too. So I mean, like, I think that the way how you can customize what modules you're going to play and things like that is definitely crossover between Scythe and Viticulture. But I think that that's going to make Scythe stronger and stronger as it goes. And I think as people play with those modules in Fenris, I think that you're going to basically see them solidify their love of, of Scythe. I think a lot of people were starting to get a little tired of Scythe. It was a little repetitive, but I think that those modules are going to keep it alive. So anyway, that was my little sidebar rewinding about how expansions can make games better. And I think Great Western Trail, I hope the same thing for it. If you've played the expansion, leave us a comment because like, seriously, I'd love to hear what people are thinking about it. For sure. All right. So now the big tease is paying off. We're into number one. Okay, wait, what is your guess, guys? What's your guess? Say it out loud. We can hear you. <laughs> oh, that's a good guess. No, it's, it's, no, it's, uh, sorry, it's, it's, it's not that. Somebody just said, Mon- Picorn, Picorn, it's not Flashpoint, dude. Somebody just said Monopoly. <laughs> that is a very good joke. <laughs> no. All right. <laughs> On a serious note, number one is one of my favorite games. 
And this is the game where I do my thing on my own board. I don't really care what you're doing. You can't screw what I'm doing up unless you maybe move to a place that I want to go. And that, that game is Orleans. This game is amazing. You're just mo- pulling chits out of a bag, put them on a board, taking the actions, building houses on this map, and you're moving up cubes on a track. I love cubes on a track, so any game that has that, I'm all in. So, number one, which is surprising that it beat out Lisboa, Scythe, Coimbra, all these other games, Great Western Trail, that's amazing to me. Orleans, number one. I, I think it's great, too. I think it's a really great game, and I think it says a lot about our audience. You guys are, like, well-educated, heavyish game players, so good job, you guys. I like this game a lot. I like it better than Altiplano, and here's why. Altiplano is perfectly great. I own Altiplano. I'll play Altiplano. But if I had to get rid of one, and I may have to at some point as my collection keeps to keeps growing and it has to be more, more curated, I'm getting rid of Altiplano first because it's so convoluted how you get points in Altiplano. It takes a while to figure out, and I think Orleans, you can set someone down play this game who's played some Euro games, and they're going to be competitive their first play because it's just pretty straightforward, but at the same time, there's a lot of freedom to do what you want to do in it, and then there's just the tension, like the, the man, am I going to get the stuff I need out of my bag this time? And then you don't, but then are you going to make the best you can out of it? So um, it's a great game, and really it says a lot about our audience that you guys are pretty educated, pretty awesome people, who, um, I don't know, man. I think the fact that a lot of people love this game says a lot about the game, too, that it's got pretty broad appeal. Yeah, this must have gotten some decent number one votes to get this high. I don't think it got a single number one vote, honestly. So wow. maybe one. Yeah, so I think it was just on, like, seriously, I think it was on over half of our responses. So that's pretty great, honestly. Um, yeah, that's crazy. For a game. That's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in a year where where Altiplano came out and when you were hearing like all the stuff about Altiplano is this awesome thing that people love and is so great and we're never going to play Orleans again, you know? I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like it did a good job holding its own here. Yeah, I agree. Hey, I, I love it. Number one, that I, I mean, that might be a little high in my opinion, but it's still, I'm not disappointed by it. That's for sure. Yep. So, Jason, should we do a speed round of numbers 11 through 20? We don't talk about them. We just, we just name sure. them. Let's just go speed round here. Number 11, almost making it, but not quite, Gloomhaven. Uh, 12, Voyages of Marco Polo, another good game. This is a little bit of a surprise here, Jason. Uh, number 13 is Dominion. Wow, that is a surprise. 14, Gallerist. Uh, I think that's the influence, the Jason influence on the audience here. Maybe it's I don't a little know. Low, I'm, dep- I'm sad, guys. Come on, it's a good game for sure. Um, but I'm glad Lisboa beat it. Uh, Grand Austria Hotel is coming in at 14, 15. Oh gosh, hey guys, remember earlier when I was saying all that stuff about Rising Five being better than Pandemic and stuff? <laughs> that was a very good, just kidding joke from me. <laughs> um, number fifteen is Pandemic. Uh. Sixteen Blood Rage, wow. Seventeen Agricola, interesting. Nice. Uh, way higher than Caverna. Caverna is like number ninety something. Uh, Concordia coming in at number eighteen, I think it is. Maybe nineteen. I don't know where we're at. And then next is uh, Fuche Magnate, um, which is interesting too. Uh, and then Lorenzo Il Magnifico is the last one I'll mention. Uh, just for you, Jason. Nice. I'll put that one. Yeah, on. that makes me happy. Yeah, that, that game, I'm kind of wanting to play it, honestly. So 
Yeah, I I may end up owning that one. I don't know, Jason. The more I think about it, the more I really did like it. So we'll see. It's good. So I was going through my uh my possible top one hundred, just as a side note. And Scythe did make the top one hundred. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. There's a little spoiler for, spoiler for a future Ooh. episode. Folklore the Affliction made it on our list. That's pretty cool. It's simple. A lot of good things here. So if you want to see all of the things in a rough ranking, uh, number, you know, one through, I don't know, I think we ended up having 108 unique games on the list. So we'll go ahead and post those all up on our Facebook page. Uh, you guys can get a chance to look at that full list. Um, there's going to be some that are just like straight ties, um, but I'm just going to alphabetize those. <laughs> and Good job naming your game that starts with an A instead of a B, so that way you got higher on the list. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's why you do it. Acme, all the way. Yeah, I, and I'll say this too. Uh, Grand Austria Hotel, Galleries, and Dominion, all three tied. Battlestar Galactic on the list. Uh, Black Orchestra on the list. Some really cool games that you guys put on this list that don't make it otherwise. Um, so very cool. Um, really good to get to know you guys a little bit, get some feedback from you guys on what you like. And I'm really just surprised at kind of the variety. Well, cool. Uh, I guess it's been kind of fun doing this. Um, we will, I think we do this probably every year. Um, if, as long as we're doing the show, I guess, because it's, it is fun, but I think it'll be fun to compare it over time. So anyway, uh, you know what else I thought about too, Jason, as we did our episodes last week and the week before that there were games in 2017, we didn't get a chance to play, but they blew our minds in 2018. I'm thinking the same thing's true. There's games that have are out right now that people in Europe have that a few people in the States have that we just don't know about yet. And we will find out about them, and they will blow our minds too. So that's cool too. Uh, go over and tell us about them on our Facebook page. Um, anyway, uh, anything else, Jason? Nope, I'm good. Thanks for voting for your games, and it was awesome that you made a great game. Number one, good job, guys. Only one more sleep till Dinosaur Island. <laughs> All right, we can stop with the Dinosaur Island updates. You're just making me mad. Yep, I've been Joel, and I'm Jason, and keep. Gaming. I'm not going to edit them Don't, on top of each other. Yeah. Keep keep gaming. There you go, Jason. Good boy. <laughs> All right. I'm going to stop recording now.